turn into Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 12. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 12. I know we haven't read this, but this is my train of thought this evening. Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. The text to consider for Christians this evening, the snare of worldliness. Sometimes we are worldly and don't even know because it is a snare, a trap. And no sooner we are swallowed up by the world. Beware of the snare of worldliness. This is the subject we will consider in our survey this evening. The first four chapters of Deuteronomy, Moses rehearsed the 40 year period of Israel's sojourn in the wilderness to the generation who had outlived the appearance, just as God said. From chapter 5, Moses began to repeat the law that was first given at Sinai. The commandments are repeated, as you know, in Deuteronomy 5, verses 6 to 21. Chapter 6 is a continuation or a commentary on the injunctions from the law of God to Israel. Israel is about to move into uncharted territory, the land of the Canaanites, where there are many attractions and distractions. It is akin to the new life believers enter when they are called to the kingdom of God. It is a land that we don't know about. And all of the instructions of that land is given in the word of God. We are to be careful not to limit these injunctions given to Israel as to only for a particular nation. That's the mistake we make. Because we are told in the book of Ecclesiastes, verse 12, chapter 12, verse 13 and 14, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every word into judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil. It so happened that the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, repeat this, that God, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We will seriously err if we make void and obsolete the commandments of God for the traditions of men and the church. In our survey this evening, we will consider Deuteronomy 6, 1 to 16. 
The three observations that we will consider in this survey is verses 1 through 5, Israel's relationship toward the Lord. Two, Israel's responsibility towards the word of God, verses 6 through 9. And three, the snare of worldliness, verses 10 through 16. So let us first look at Israel's relationship to the Lord. The first five verses are essential injunctions to Israel as they prepare to enter the land of Canaan. One, they were to fear the Lord, verses 1 and 2 in Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son, and thy son's son all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Why is God only emphasizing the son? Well, there was a son that was coming that would do this. But it doesn't negate, now pay attention to me, if you're bowing down your heads, look up. Please, I beg you. This is the word of God. A son was coming and you should be able to read through the lines of the word of God. It will be helpful. But they were to fear the Lord. The word fear doesn't mean to be frightened for the Lord. This would be in contradiction to the character of God who commands his people to come boldly to the throne of grace for mercy. So we have a clue what it means to fear the Lord. To fear someone is to esteem someone in high regard. To fear the Lord is to respect his person, his purposes, his great provision for his people. Israel was redeemed with a high hand, Scripture teaches. Notice there were great benefits in fearing God. The text says that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son, and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. It's the benefits. There are gospel implications in the last sentence, in this verse, and that thy days may be prolonged. Having prolonged days is not merely three score and ten. To have prolonged days is speaking of eternal life. It was the same instruction the wise Solomon gave his son in Proverbs 3, 2 and 3. My son, forget not my law. But let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace 
shall they add to thee. God's word is a word about salvation, eternal life. Is a promise akin to what God commanded children. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. The word earth is the same as the word land. The land that God has in mind is the new heaven and the new earth, and not this temporary passing world. There is a gospel promise attached to God's law. And you hear me say that all the time. I'm not moving from there. Because this is the character of the law. Today what we are observing in society is a nation who does not fear the Lord. Today what we are seeing in our children is that they do not fear God at all. And as a matter of fact, they hate him. Christians ought not to be this way. In describing mankind in the first century, the apostles say in Romans 3.18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. This is our people. This is our children. This quote is taken from Psalm 36, verse 1. Deuteronomy 6 continues, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers have promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Another way Israel was to fear the Lord was by observing to do that which was commanded, that it may be well with them, to be well means to be saved. These are gospel promises. The land flows with milk and honey was not the nation of Israel. They may have had a lot of bees, but that is not what it means. The land that flows with milk and honey is the kingdom of God. Isaiah 55, 1 and 2. Who oh, everyone that thirsteth. Come ye to the waters, and he that have no money, come ye buy, eat, yea, come buy wine, milk, without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfies now not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat you that which is good. Let your soul delight itself in fatness. How can a soul eat? Because God is speaking of the word of God in his people. Israel's relationship to the Lord was no different than the Christian's relationship to their Savior. We should fear him. We should observe his statutes. He has brought us from the house of bondage. We are to fear him and observe his statutes. Look at your church today. How many God fears are in here? Not many. Not many at all. Thirdly, in fearing the Lord is real. 
It meant that we were to love the Lord, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Three distinctive categories that our love for God ought to be expressed. This verse describes one's love for the Lord in three distinct ways. First, Israel's love was to be a wholehearted love and not a half-hearted love. Half-hearted love is no love at all. Brethren, we really do not love the Lord. We do not love him. And I say emphatically, we do not love the Lord. When you love someone, you go out of your ways. You're hurt and you're still ministering. You're sick and you're still serving. You're limp and you're still walking. I remember when the telephone bills used to be so high because someone you love back there in the Caribbean, you call in and your bill is three and four hundred dollars a month. We don't love the Lord at all. And some of us think they're doing so good. We don't love him. Isaiah 29, 13 said, Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips they do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. We are to love the Lord. To love the Lord is also a spiritual love. It is it's a spiritual love. We love him wholeheartedly. It's a spiritual love. We have a spirit that desires to be fed, that yearns after the Lord, or as David said, that his, as the heart panted after the water brooks, my heart pants for thee. The scripture says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. It is in the innermost person that one loves the Lord. The innermost being that yearns, that love the Lord. I don't see much of that in our church. This love is described in sacrificial service. See what the text says, and with all thy might. The word might is the same as its New Testament counterpart, power, dunamis. In fact, the power to serve and to love God comes from God. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power. It is the might of God unto those that believe. Today, many of us have not been taught the gospel. I'm sorry to say that our predecessors that were here have laid a bad foundation, as Frank was talking about. And then when you come, you had to throw off all of those old planks that he was talking about, that people rake up. To reform a church, 
Many years ago, there was nothing such as reform because the church was practically on key. But once you begin to read Spurgeon, Pink, and other men, you see how far off you are. Put books back there and nobody picked them up. Don't depend on a man. He might mislead you. Wonderfully, we can read books and we can see where we are going. There are a lot of uneducated Christians that don't fear the Lord at all. We must not think that Deuteronomy is restricted to the people in Moses' days. It is for us to consider and learn the gospel. Our relationship to God is to be the same as God commanded Israel. We were redeemed by a high hand, the blood of Christ. You may remember the scribe came to Jesus to inquire about the law and the Lord directed him to this same text. And if you turn with me to Mark 12, just for a minute, you would see what the Lord said after the scribe asked question. In Mark 12, 29 and 30, we read, the scribe wanted to know what was the greatest command and Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And notice he didn't use the word might, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. This is the Lord Jesus as he now exegetes Deuteronomy 6. He was reading Deuteronomy 6 to the scribe. But hear how the scribe responded in Mark 12, verse 32 and 33. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he, and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. The scribe got it correctly. He understood that he could not love God. How come we don't understand that? Rarely did the Lord commended the scribes, but here in Mark 12, 34, he did. We read, and when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. He was close. He understood that he could not obey God in this manner. He understood that he needed the strength and the power from God. He understood and Jesus commended him. He needed someone to be perfect on his behalf. behalf. Brethren, the Lord showed us wonderfully how this is made possible 
in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, coming to the end of the book. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, the word of God says there, And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. Oh, yes. There's a call for redemption. There's a call to us for salvation. There's a call for a new heart that we may love the Lord. We don't love the Lord in this place at all. It boils down to one single thing. One thing thou lackest. So the first part of Deuteronomy 6, the scripture is showing what Israel's relationship to God ought to be. Fear the Lord. Observe his statutes. Love the Lord. Point number two, Israel's responsibility to the word. Verses 6 through 9. Verse 6 says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Scripture memory and meditation are good habits to cultivate. There's nothing wrong with placing a scripture verse on the refrigerator every week. Angela, there's nothing wrong with that. Only a certain color people do that in their homes. Nothing is wrong with that. Let the children stare at it when they go to their favorite place, the fridge. Let them memorize it. Let them see it. We are doing a poor job. That's why our church is like that. He says, teach it to your sons. The son is the one that perpetuates the seed. Christ was coming. We have a responsibility to cultivate the word of God. But these graces can become mechanical. We read the Bible. We try to read through the Bible to retain the Bible in our heads when we can't remember anymore. God can't take away the Bible from our heads and our minds. It takes a work of grace to have God's word lodged in our hearts. We don't have a difficult time remembering Marvin Gaye, let's get it on. When we hear it, we tap our feet. Back in the 70s, but at that point when I was in Grenada, that was my life. But we have a hard time remembering Joshua 1, 8. There are a few responsibilities given to the Lord's people in these verses. One, they were to treasure the word of God. When we treasure the word, it would be upon our hearts. The Bible says where our hearts are, our treasure would be. Now, I'm serious about these things, brethren. I'm, I'm not just a preacher here. Look, don't look at me as just a preacher, uh, Miguel, okay? I'm your brother. 
Right, and I want to be your brother. I'm a Christian first. Um, too many people look at me as a man, a preacher. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a brother, children. I, I want to be your friend. We should treasure the word. When we treasure the word, it will be upon our hearts. Two God's people should teach the word. Verse 7, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Teach. Teaching is done in many ways. You teach. The best way to teach is with your mouth. Verbally, I get to that. But a better way to teach is by your living. If you go in the supermarket and begin picking things off the shelf and put in your cart and don't pay for them, there's a word for that. We should teach. We should treasure the word. We should teach the word. Thirdly, they should talk about the word. The verse says, and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. The time is around the table when all of the children are together, snatching up that chicken leg. Before they can clear the table, open the word. Before you can clear the table, Open the word with all the plates there, Sandrine, get to them later. I'm teaching us how to be family worshipers. This is where you ought to be instructed here in the church, not by Oprah Winfrey. Teach, talk. To talk is to rattle off your mouth. I don't mean meaningless talking. I hate to hear people just talking about the Bible. The drunkards talk about the word of God. They like to talk about the word of God. Every time I go to Mr. Maswaka's place, he always quotes scripture to me. And Mr. Maswaka was a chain smoker. And up to now, he was doing all that. Like, he, he tried to encourage me. Well, Pastor, you know, Jesus, Jesus was discouraged many times with his own people, his own disciples. So don't get discouraged. But this is good. Even Mr. Maswaka, the head teacher at Menberry Primary School, talks about the word. But when I used to do a Bible lesson in this classroom, Mr. Maswaka was the first to leave. But we love Mr. Maswaka. Every time we go, we grease his hand. Talk about the word. Psalm 37, the mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. What do you talk about mostly? On the phone for 45 minutes, what are you talking about? I don't know. Is there any time given to the word? Sometimes I listen to conversations at home. And wonderfully, I hear a lot about the word. 
What do you talk about? I'm serious. Verse 8, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine heart, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Frontlets. Lenses, the word of God, the Jews, you see them walking with these things on the forehead. They think they're mad, huh? Yes, they were teaching the word. They were speaking the word. Up until this day, when you go into a Jewish home, you will find that the Jews have scripture riveted on their doorposts. Maybe you probably see this, don't you? Yeah. Riveted on the wall. Because they take this law literally. God didn't mean that. But they take it literally. They stick the scripture on their wall. And that's why he said, don't let me come in your house and see President Obama and his family stick up on the wall. Many homes I went in and that's what I saw. I kept my mouth shut. It tells me where people's hearts are. Colin, you come to my house, you don't see Obama or Michael Jackson in my bedroom. Or a car. You see in that room, study to show yourself approved. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. That belongs to Dion. I left it there. So that everybody that go in that room knew who used to be in there. Where did she get that from? People of Israel had a responsibility towards the law. Christians have a responsibility towards the word. Treasure the word. Teach the word. Talk about the word. The treasure the word is to teach it. These are some thoughts seen in our context. God's people relationship to the Lord because of what he did. He brought them out with a high hand. The Lord's responsibility to the word. But there's a warning in our main topic this evening. The snare of worldliness. Ben 2.15. The snare of worldliness. is our main objective this evening out of our survey. How the physical things can ensnare us that we forget the spiritual promises of God as we shared this morning. Trap us, verse 10 and 11, shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not. 
when thou hast, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, we'll continue this verse. Now, these were real physical things the children of Israel inherited freely in the land of the Canaanites. And I think I explained this to you in the Joshua series. There were types of free grace given to God's people. However, we, we do not read where God gave the physical land to Canaan with an oath. Well, be careful. The text says, when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, God did not give Abraham any land with an oath. Read your Bibles carefully. The only place we read of God making an oath or swearing to Abraham is Genesis chapter 22, 16, verse, verses 16 through 18. I by myself have sworn that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thee and thy seed, and in thy seed shall all nations be blessed. God was speaking about salvation in Christ. That's what he swore to Abraham. The Jews are still fighting over there for land that God never swore to them. The only thing God swears to us is salvation in his son. Well, let's read these promises carefully, brethren. The land of Canaan was a figure of greater things to come. The scripture says in verse 12, Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. He keeps saying this because people, and, and, and we came to this country basically for economic purposes. But when God opened our eyes, and I'm one, I'm an immigrant. When God showed us the truth, our focus changed dramatically. Last thing I wanted to do is to be a preacher. Like my father said, with all them benefits out there. That's what he said to me. You're a preacher? With all them benefits out there? He's dead. I'm gone for the depot. Just as the physical land of Canaan became a snare to Israel, as they ran after the gods of the land, this world has become a snare to many professing evangelicals who have entered the church today. And they want the pastor to accommodate that agenda. And when you speak to them, what happened to you? Why this periodic shabby attendance? Get very upset. Take your head off. Who dare you talk to me like that? Who are you? If you guys want a pastor, let me say this candidly. 
Who do I have the liberty to speak to you as an individual? You need another pastor. You need someone else. And the deacon should let me know. And people are like that. You heard Brother Curtis this morning. Apparently his heart has sensed some of the things. I didn't tell him to say anything. But I hope you listen carefully. He, he knows because I don't hold any secrets from the deacons. I don't even tell my wife anything. I, I tell them in there. Watch your people carefully. Don't let me have to speak to anybody. You speak to them. The snare of the world and the snare of worldliness. We have entered the church, the kingdom of God. It is different. Verse 13 to 15. Thou shalt fear the Lord again, thy God, and serve him, and shall swear by his name. You shall not go after other gods, of the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee, and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. So, brethren, in our survey this evening, we're going to finish very early. We have mortared through these first 15 verses of Deuteronomy 6, showing God's commands to Israel, who experienced a physical redemption. We saw what their relationship to God ought to be. Fear the Lord, observe his statutes, love the Lord. Now, we believe that some of our people are truly saved. We, we believe that, a, a remnant of you. But we believe that many of our people are not saved. And therefore, we must be careful the kind of messages we bring in the hearing of our people. We don't have to say anything, but we ought to be faithful. We ought to make bold statements like were made, was made this evening. And let the Holy Spirit work. Let the chips fall where they may. We do not love the Lord. We have to say that blanket. Let the chips fall where they may. Let people search their hearts to see if they love the Lord. For if they love the Lord, they would obey him. I got a full-time job looking at my sinful heart. And then I got a whole congregation on my hands. We need to pray for God's servants. We have mortared through this text very fast. We saw... Israel's responsibility to the law, the word of God, treasure the word, teach the word, talk about the word. But we saw our main objective this evening, the snare of the world, <laughs> rather 
the snare of worldliness. Beware that we are not ensnared by the world. Canaan is no longer here, but we have the world. Very attractive. We must not think that the books of Moses have no bearing on the Lord's people today because today history is being repeated. And we read this morning in 1 John 2, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Apparently in Ephesus, where this letter was probably sent, it's a general epistle, they had issues with the world. In Corinth, they had issues in 1 Corinthians 6, where they were suing church members. They had issues. The Apostle Paul warned, warned, do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is, I don't remember what he said. He, he's, he, he was referring to the world. He called the world a harlot. Uh, but we are joined to the Lord. He was referring to Babylon and the harlot. Um, so we, we are either joined to the harlot or we are joined to Christ. Um, John warns, don't love the world. Trade in the things of the Lord Jesus for the things of the world. After a period of time, you, if you know your history, Israel was removed from the land of Canaan to a strange land where they remained 70 years. They loved the world. God took them out to Babylon. When they came back, they were not a whole lot different until God finally wiped, wiped them out. And Christians today are warned. We have examples before us as new covenant Christians that can encourage us in the Old Testament, in the, in the Old Testament, they can encourage us in the new, new dispensation. Faith of our fathers living still. Let's pray. Amen. Our Father, we thank you for the word of God again, and we thank you for your help, O oh Lord. What could we have done without your help? And we pray that our people would benefit from the word from Deuteronomy. Help us as we would continue to walk through this survey. We ask now that you will dismiss us with your love. In Christ's name, amen.